Ladies and gentlemen, the time is come. This is the Eat Sleep and Repeat Podcast, your weekly AW review and breakdown. Introducing you first, the most electrifying wrestling podcast, Nelly Charlie. And the other half of our hosting duo, they call me the Duke. They call me the Digital Phantom. I am the Duke of Derps, also known as Garrett. Yo, what's up, everybody? Um, We're going double air horns tonight, motherfucker. Let's go. Absolutely. All right. Let me show you. Did I get everything? I nailed that. Nailed that intro. I didn't fucking miss anything. Perfect. Anyway, um, before we get into the main show, there's a couple things to take care of off the top. First of all, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a special episode. We're actually trying out something new this week. Uh, at the end of the show this week, instead of just going straight out of it and to the end, like I'm just playing the, uh, the outro music, I guess the intro music, whatever you want to call it. We're going to actually throw in a quick review of the Marvel show Moon Knight, which just concluded this week or was it last week, whenever it was. Um, and we uh, we've been watching it um, and uh, we were going to review it um, in a separate place, but we ended up just tacking it onto this show this week because we wanted to see how that would how, how you guys would like that. So yeah, to um, figure to try something new and, and see how it goes, because we were kind of thinking the idea of since we do right now a one week show tacking something on at the end that's you know maybe maybe you're just along for the ride and you're enjoying what's going on you're just feeling some more fucking talking hanging with the boys so i don't know how this will affect our like film reviews we'll have to talk about that going forward because i think i i don't know if i i I don't know but maybe those are more events i don't know we'll have to talk about it off uh, off the show obviously but um but that being said, uh, there's also one other thing to take care of off the top, which is uh, make sure whatever podcast platform you guys are listening to this on, you follow or subscribe. Be that Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Now, um, there are also a couple of things you could follow us on if you want to get more from us. You can follow me on Twitter at Bane Duke. That's B-A-N-E-D-U-K-E. And Charlie at O Charlie with an X instead of an A. All right. Um, so that, with that being said... Uh, what a week what a week of wrestling yeah um this was uh we had some good shit this week dude (laughs) we also had some bad shit but that's just how it always is you know um and that we're not going to spend much time on dark this week that's all that's all i'm gonna say everybody um (laughs) yeah um but i mean so we always start off the show with our favorites because we like to start off with a little bit of positivity um but like i i don't know i just feel like the art particular favorites this week on this week i should say it's not like everything was this quality you know but they were phenomenal matches the ones that we ended up going with um i actually do not believe before we hit the start button we said who was going first for favorites so why don't you just go ahead and tell me now it'll be a surprise for everyone yeah, uh, this week it is you're taking the leap there, brother. So okay, absolutely. Ahead. All right, perfect. I was actually unsure, so I literally had to throw it to you. Right there. I had no idea because we didn't say. I I wondered because I thought you did last week, but I could not remember. All right, so we're I'll be starting us off uh, pretty strong this week. So we're actually starting with the last thing that happened this week in AEW land. Technically, if you if you you know if you're going by the timelines, um, technically it happened a couple of days before, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so we had Kanosuke Takeshita taking on Jay Lethal nailed it all right um perfect so something that i wrote uh, in my notes for this match is that i noticed this across the board for all of the matches um this week last week the last few weeks maybe even the last couple months 
it seems like, and I was saying this, I think it was two weeks ago, that AEW's sort of in-ring style is developing to be that more physical, heavy-hitting, hard-hitting, New Japanish kind of style, but with its own twist. Um, this was kind of that to me, and it's it's perfect that you have a guy from DDT that's part of it. Um, so I love, by the way, that I don't know if it was during this match. It might have been during the match, one of the matches he had on Dark. That somebody brought up that he's like a five-time KOD Openweight Champion. Um, which is insane. That's that's nuts. Shot um, Excalibur, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, Jay Lethal is a perfect opponent for this guy. Like he's just like it, I, when I when I heard about this matchup just randomly, um, I was like, wow, actually, this sounds really fun because Jay Lethal obviously is wanting to continue to have really good matches with all these young stars that he's seeing pop up here and there, and I could absolutely see Jay Lethal just like backstage throwing on like threw up threw up some dark matches he's like who, who the hell is kanosuke Takeshita? you know like all right oh shit okay all right let's find out who this guy is you know like yeah um there was a really great counter with a drop kick to the lethal injection that i just you know it's something that i think kanosuke himself is like one of the only people that would have the way he did it because that's not like a, a really hard thing to come up with the way he did it though it looked like the the kind of thing that is the smartest way to counter that it just looks so simple but effective you know um the uh (laughs) i top rope lariat's a new one for me i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah um that was incredible i'm gonna be honest though as much as i liked this match i thought it was really weird that they had kanosuke lose his first tv match but well the idea I, i agree with you i i i think the idea there is right because Jay Lethal's facing Gresham. So I, in a way, I think this is kind of showing some good good signs for ROH, right? Yeah, Jay, Jay Lethal, I believe, is still a ranked wrestler. He might not be after his last loss, but he uh um this I don't know. Needless to say, losing to Jay Lethal right now isn't bad. But I agree with you in the sense of I'm a little surprised he lost. But at the same time, I think there's he's in a process of getting warmed up to. The, to the crowd now, right? Oh, yeah. And going off that, I'll say this, man. I think Takeshita, he's now had three matches since he's been back in North America. This is something we've been really following ever since the story of DDT. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Learning he's like Kenny Omega's prodigy. And the Tokyo Sports announced him as the Fighting Spirit Award, which is kind of kind of a big deal over there for 2021. And... I got to say, man, he he is so goddamn smooth with everything. And he is such a pro. I really think he's one of these guys that he is going to be in a big-time match at one of the bigger pay-per-views probably towards the end of the year, whether it's Arthur Ashe or All Out. And it's going to be – it's going to fucking tear the house down. I, I really think there's a chance this guy gets very over in North America. At first, but it's, like, it's funny because yeah. you can almost see that he's holding back, and like it's crazy because he's putting on, he's doing incredible stuff in the ring. But you could tell that he could do more in the moments, like with the top rope lariat and the countering with a simple drop kick, like I mentioned. Like, yeah, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this year I'm talking about him as one of my favorite wrestlers in the company alongside Bray Phoenix. I mean, hey, I, I could totally see it. Him being there one and one. With Ray Phoenix, because right now I I always love to say Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega are my my two favorite wrestlers in North America, and it's just like they're in the same fucking company. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Keshta man, that style that's so smooth, 
that's the shit that gets me because I will always tune into a match like that. And do you want to talk about the aftermatch a little bit or do you want to see? Yeah, I I literally have one thing written about that. Yeah, Yeah, I I just the only thing I I took away from that was that I think lethal versus Joe is going to be an incredible match. Um, Same. And it's going to be really great. And think, I think uh, we'll also get Lethal versus Satnam Singh at some point. I I think it's going to be or sorry, Lethal, sorry, uh, uh, Joe versus Satnam Singh. Uh, stumbled over my words there. I'm excited but, to um, see. I believe he's going to be on Dark next week. I'm excited to see that. See yeah, exactly. Called, he looked it, the little bit. I like that they teased it up a little bit too by having him do a little bit of physical stuff on on, on Rampage this week. You know, um, which it was it looked good i i don't know that he's going to be my favorite style of wrestler but he'll he'll work in the ring at least you know um do you you think the best friends coming out is a sign maybe Takeshita could join them i think so i don't think he's necessarily going to be tied to kenny i don't think i think a lot of people were assuming that but especially because they just debuted him without kenny at all tells me that they just think the guy's a star you know so backstage thing right that that everyone just kind of knows well, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to it's that's his way of I wouldn't be surprised if because Kenny's obviously still working on the video game and stuff like that, you know, um, that if he was back there still sometimes, you know, like helping him to God, I can't I hope we get Kenny back soon. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, and now we're going to jump to my favorite, which Garrett, I got to say, man, I'm about to say some high words here, but this might be one of my favorite dynamite matches ever. I think. When it comes to the style of wrestling that I've grown to love over the past couple of years, and we have these guys in AEW, immediately everyone's like, oh, I know exactly what the fuck he's about to say. There's a certain style that AEW allows, I guess you could say, their wrestlers to do. It's, it's much more of an independent style of wrestling, and traditionally, I guess you could say, but not anymore. Ray Phoenix True. versus Dante Martin, and I kind of gave it away a little bit because talking about how much I love Phoenix and everything, but... Garrett, this was just – we knew we'd see something new. They, they didn't have all the time in the world, but they took advantage of every single second they were on TV. There was not a wasted fucking second, whether it's their faces after a big move, whether it's the emotions that they display after the other one fucking counters him. When Dante Martin – what was it? The the Poison Rana? <laughs> is, that, is that what it was? That was set uh, yes. to finish? And just the whole sequence to that with – you had the Russian leg sweep off the top rope. It's Bullshit! Just- I'm sorry. That was that was a, that was a fucking miscall. call. I know exactly what we should call that move because it's my new favorite move of the of, of in all of wrestling. That was- motherfucker was a reverse Spanish fly. <laughs> it's so good, dude. And then speaking of the Spanish fly, when they both landed on their feet, I mean, dude, this when you have guys, we we would make jokes before about Dante Martin, and I think this is what what he needed. We, we kept saying, because we've been slamming the table for months about Dante Martin and how he's one of our pillars. And then they, they finally gave him the shots. And this is all the proof he needed, man. He can hang with the best of them when it comes. Because I, I do believe Ray Phoenix is the best at this. And he can hang with the best of them. And he looked like a fucking star. And Garrett, we've, we've mentioned this before. Remember when Malachi Black, after his match with Dante Martin... He, like, gave him that nod. Like, he showed him that appreciation. After this match, Ray Phoenix embraced Dante Martin and gave him a big hug. In AEW, that shit matters. Like, oh, yeah. When they're building up the Dante Martin story and wherever it goes from here, whether maybe it's Scorpio, maybe it's fucking who knows what. But 
God, Dante versus well, no, because Dante's a baby face, and so they're, they're gonna right make now. it matter wherever it goes. And yeah, so I, I've I've gone on long enough about this. What did you think of Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin, the Owen Hart Foundation tournament qualifier? Yeah, like I said, that, that was my favorite. Well, I I, I I genuinely think if they ever hit that move again, they should call it the reverse Spanish. Like, this is what it looks like anyway. Um, but uh, Dante hit a really clean super kick at one point on Phoenix. Oh that my I was god, like, when he folded his ass. Oh. The cell of that, the cell itself got a pop. The way, the way, and then the way Dante sold that really cool slam that uh, that he got hit with by Phoenix to end the match. I mean, that was just it was perfectly built up. They gave the okay. match the amount of time it needed. Man, this tournament is just incredible, man. Like, I, I already know if we were to make a top five matches of the year, this is going to be in my top five. Like this, this is just my oh, man. It's going to be so hard because, and thankfully, I have notes on everything we reviewed, so. I'll be able to go back through and we can actually comprehensively when we get to the end of this year, put together like matches like that. Cause I have notes on all, every week or whatever. Um, we'll do our own award show. Fucking favorite. I should have wrote down which year. matches were my favorite. I guess it'll be a little easier to tell. Oh yeah. Like, Cause of what yeah. I wrote more about and stuff, but like it's, you know, who knows? We'll we're, we'll forget. We, we also forget that I believe also this year took place the Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega match. Didn't it? Or was that at the very end of last year? I think year? that might have been the end of last year. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't even know how. But was it, that I'm, even considered I'm for last right? year? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it was yeah. considered for last year's awards or not. If it was, but it might have been. Um, since this match just kind of ends, uh, this match actually had some pre-setup that we'll get into later then. But yeah, that was our favorites. Um, I believe now we're going to hit some news. And yes. We'll hit some news. We're going to hit our results. We'll go Dark Elevation, Dark Dynamite Rampage. And then at the end, yeah, we're going to be doing that Moon Knight thing. So there, there will be spoilers for that Moon Knight. If, so if you guys have seen it and you actually you're like, eh, what the fuck? I'll, try, I'll see what the fuck these idiots think. We'd appreciate that. And so a little bit of somber news here, Garrett, uh, this week. Stu Grayson is no longer under contract with AEW. And I got to say, it, it, there's this weird like kind of sting knowing a, a Dark Order it's member. sting! Yeah, and knowing a Dark Order member is gone, man, because... The Dark Order will forever be over in this company because of Brody Lee and because of how much everyone respects him. And it's it's a little – I think it just hurts a little bit more knowing that one of his guys are gone and gone. All right, we had some slight technical difficulties, but <laughs> we're back like it never happened. And fucking Garrett, Vince McMahon hacking into the system. He fucking – he hacked in. And the main point I was trying to get across was it hurts a little more knowing that it's a member of the Dark Order, and this is someone in the recent weeks we've been talking about. This guy's pretty underrated because he was out on fucking Dark with Uno, and he had one of the better tag matches that we've seen of recent memory. Right? Like, yeah, no, they actually we were, we were like, oh, I, I'm, we were starting to get the 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 whatever the hell their team was called on the Indies, you know, like because they're both Super Smash Bros. It, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. because <laughs> they were called like Player Uno and Player Dose or something like that. Yeah. I think, like, and so, yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on Stu Grayson as, I guess, a wrestler and just kind of what, what you think, I don't know, what, what I guess this could mean going forward? He always felt like an ancillary character, if I'm being honest. Like, he never felt like a main guy. Even I'd Uno agree. never really yep, felt like a main guy, you know, even in the Dark Order, you know. Um, Uno was kind of, like they, they almost tried to make Uno out to be like the leader, but like... They realize there's really you can't have a leader of the Dark Order without Brody. You know, it's just you can't. Like you just can't. Um, you can have people step in like Hangman, but at the end of the day, yes. it's just but everyone Hangman knows. himself even disassociates from the Dark Order. You know, like yep. 
Um, Anna J is almost sort of not a member of the Dark Order as much anymore. She is, but she isn't. You know, like um, I kind of oh, worry for the Dark, the Dark Order, Order going forward, man. It's a little sad. Yeah, I don't know how you can have the Dark Order come out as the Dark Order without Stu. You know. Gonna if, be a little it's gonna weird. feel weird, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think it's gonna be noticeable. So, do you break it up? You know, that's tough. That is tough, right? But it's a better decision than like, do you? Because you can't do it. Can you do it without all the people Brody wanted? Can you? I is think right worse? now is with, that worse. I I think right now just losing Stu, they could make it work, but. It's going to take some creativity, and they're going to have to address that he's the fact that he's gone. I don't think you maybe, can maybe this is your excuse to bring Colt Cabana back. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, get get Colt like maybe he's the one that reunites the group. I mean, the whole member remember the thing with Alan Angels and Evil Uno, and I, I thought that was such a great storyline, and the negative almost finally the one to reunite them. That was such a great storyline, and it felt like they were back on pace as baby faces. And Garrett, I I I always say I think. Dark Order will always be a babyface faction in this company. Yeah. And I still believe that. However, this is some bumpy ground that they're they're This is not something I don't think anyone from. saw coming. I think I think everyone just assumed that everybody in the Dark Order That's is kind of an untouchable. Yep, that is the perfect way to put it. No one saw this coming. And oh. you have All the best to Stu Grayson, though. Yeah, and Johnny Hungy is super over right now. Oh my god. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Dark Order, you, you revive them with the trios and just Evil Uno, Hungy, and maybe Angels. Maybe some weird combo that no one's expecting. I will have to see, right? But what about Angels 10 and Uno? Oh, that'd be a fun combo. That'd be fun to me. And then you could even have another combo with uh, Hungy, Silver, and get, get weird in there. That's where you throw Colt Cabana or maybe a new member. Fuck it, give yeah, Foyle. Actually, there. that's the, we could. That's another option too. You could add a new member of the Dark. I don't know who it would be, um, but you could add Fuck a new it, member. Cesaro. Now you can't have a new leader though, right? No, so. it can't be somebody that could lead the group. It has to be somebody that's just a member, which sucks because they'll know that that's what they're going to be too. Oh well. And then uh, the other thing we'll sucks, mention though. is: uh, Do you so, think there's a chance Stu Grayson gets signed by WWE as a shot? Do you think that's do you think they could I don't throw him in NXT no. to help some of the talent? See, I don't think they put him in NXT because he is 33 now. So I think he's past okay. their NXT range. I don't know. Adam Cole was like 30-something in NXT. Well, yeah, yeah. In old NXT for sure. But this new one, I don't think oh, so. true, actually. It does seem like a lot of young people. But they have like, I mean, what, how old is, uh, you know, Tommaso? And he was just there a while back. I mean, yeah, like, it's still, yeah, that that NXT 2.0, it's, it's really, Braun Breaker's about, I think, as old as it gets. There. Or Joe Gacy, right? And so they haven't hired anyone that's that's of that older range. So. What about, what, how, is Roddy on the main roster now or something? Like, what's going on? Uh, I think Roddy's done, right? He, yeah, he's basically... He I sent mean, his ass much, to UK it it seems like he's there. not re-signing, right? No, like. no, and he's requested that release. So, you know, I think I think Stu Grayson, if WWE wanted to throw him an offer, I, I would be open to it. Fuck it, get him on there. You could stick that guy in a tag team with someone like Ciampa. I could see that. That'd be actually there, a fun tag team. He could be in the mid card. I mean, if you want to really start striking at these AEW guys, that's why not get they've them got on enough hurts, money right? to do it. It's, that's the irony of them releasing everybody is they've got more than enough money to pay everybody that was on their roster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so this other thing we'll briefly talk about. Um, it's funny because we recently, 
I remember when Swerve and all those guys became free agents, we were like, you know, there's enough talent out there for a third major wrestling company. And so Freddie Prince Jr., he, I mean, he clearly must have heard about this. And so he has an idea where he wants to start uh, his own wrestling promotion within the next 18 months. And one of the big things here is, Garrett, he wants his performance protected by SAG. And I think just in the wrestling business as a, as a whole, this is something that would be great for all of wrestling. All of these wrestlers should be protected by SAG because they are actors at the end of the day. Like the straight up. That would be great for their, I guess you could, if you really want to start like breaking down like their insurance and stuff, right? Getting these certain protections would probably be great for them. But so real quick, I'll just, so Freddie Prince Jr., he, he was a WWE writer for a little bit. He is one of those guys that a lot of wrestlers go to, as I've been learning throughout the week. Apparently a lot of wrestlers actually trust this guy and they like his insight for wrestling. Um, And yeah, the Screen Actors Guild, I think is one of the big points. And he said he's already saved up enough money to execute a three-year plan, and his ultimate goal is to have a full-time home in Los Angeles. And Garrett, something we always like to say is, whether it comes to our favorite franchises or our favorite forms of media, you got to have a plan. The person in charge has to have a plan. It can't be like the Star Wars sequels. You can't not have a fucking plan. You got to have a plan, right? That's why Cobra Kai works so Look to control your narrative. They don't have a plan. Exactly. But so I I guess at the end of the day, I see a lot of people like, oh, well, who cares, right? Well, I got to tell you, I care. I I love wrestling. And if this isn't – think about how many fucking wrestling companies are already in Los Angeles. If you could take – this is what I think. If you could take the idea of what PWG is and turn it into a major wrestling promotion that just runs in LA and all these – you could basically have another Lucha Underground. It's kind of the way I'm thinking about this. He wants to have stories based in reality, and that's just another one of his things, right? Which, I, I think, mean, can I be honest with you about that? I think most companies do that fucking, anyways. Fucking, now. that's so stupid. There's no such thing as a, as a wrestling story based in reality. It, what, he, what he means is fake shoot promos. So I'm going to actually take the opportunity really quickly to explain something to a wrestling audience that doesn't seem to understand this. Because it happened this week also. And I love you, Ethan Page. But... um. A shoot promo is not just like, hey, I know who your third kid's not your third kid. Ha 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 ha. That's not a shoot <laughs> promo. Yeah, you can say something like that in a shoot promo, but it's just supposed to be like blurring the lines a little bit with something real or based in something real. It doesn't have to be, ha ha ha, look at this. I know the joke about this thing. Like how you Eddie know. Kingston makes us do. We're always questioning if this guy's actually shooting on someone in the ring. Because you don't know, because he takes a little bit. Okay, a perfect example of Eddie Kingston, the CM Punk thing. Why did that storyline that was built up over two weeks feel better and more booked than anything else on that card besides Kenny versus Hangman? Why? Because Eddie put a little bit of the real hate that he has for, well, I don't know if it's hate, but the real dislike that him and Punk have for each other and the reasons why he bled it into the storyline. He did it in a way that didn't feel like, a, yep. oh, and I'm just bringing up this thing that real. I know. So unless he's talking about that, I don't want any of that in my wrestling. Get the fuck out of here with your fucking Hollywood bullshit. You know, I think he's talking about, he doesn't want characters like the, like I'm guessing supernatural characters. I'm just saying, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard Freddie Prince jr. Over the years, say some pretty Hollywood stuff. And I, oh, I just sure. am afraid what, what a guy like that being in charge of a wrestling company looks like, you know, especially cause like I'm not against SAG. Um, I'm even looking at what SAG protects, like minimum rates of pay seems like a little bit concerning to me because that could lock people into certain rates of pay that they're not able to get out of because of SAG contracts. I'm a little concerned about that for some wrestlers because some people deserve to be paid uh, a lot, not more than others, but they should be paid what they're able to be paid by somebody like 
you know, maybe Freddie Prince Jr. doesn't think he'll have enough money, but I mean, um, but the adequate working conditions thing, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of a given in wrestling, but maybe not. Special protection and education requirements for minors. I don't really know how that would apply here because most wrestling companies don't allow under 18s anyway. Um, yeah. And then like arbitration of disputes and grievances and affirmative action and auditions. And I mean, all that stuff sounds good on paper. I'm, I don't know how it would apply in a wrestling sense because a lot of that stuff, I don't necessarily, I mean, you don't really see auditions for wrestlers, you know, at least not in non WWE situations. So it, it would all depend on what he's planning to do with all this stuff. Um, exactly. And look, there's more than enough talent to get this thing rolling and get people's eyes on it. We, we've talked about that all the time. The amount of free agent talent right now is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, um, but I just hope that some of that talent doesn't get like put into situations like CYN or if this turns out to be what it just kind of like doesn't really look like anything right now. You know, like I just fear that some of these people are going to get caught up in these things because every every time there's a big boom in wrestling. There's always people that come in and try and capitalize on it and it doesn't work out and people lose their ass and some people lose their careers. And I don't want to see some of the really great talent out there get caught up in that because of some, yeah. you know, wave of wrestling that and I don't think most of these companies that are popping up right now are going to go anywhere. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is, you know, um, at least in wrestling. No, exactly. So. And, and. I think the idea – this is not going to be just another wrestling company, at least in his head. It's it's not right now. He wants us to be a major company with a TV deal like AEW. And, I, I mean, look, if he walks up – it's going to depend on who he signs too, right? But if this guy walks up and his – you know, say his first three signings are Bray Wyatt, Johnny Gargano, and just for a cheap pop for us, Anthony Green, right? Stuff <laughs> like that. If he – because there is talent. If he signs Anthony Green, I'm on board. And and we we often mention this, but if you if if he walks in, it you know uh, Anthony Green that's more for us. But let's say for the net, for other people, let's say his first th- three signings: Bray Wyatt, Johnny Gargano, Cesaro. Like right away, you're going to get attention. Like holy shit, those are three fucking professional wrestlers. I mean, those are three of the biggest wrestlers in North America right now. You would be instantly and, the biggest, right. one of the biggest three companies in the in the world. Like so, not if in the you, world, if but like you wrestling. walk up and you sign those three guys, and then like say, oh, you know, I'm going to get Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. They're over right now. Shit like that. Like we could speculate on this for hours, but the idea here is we're going to, we're going to follow the story and maybe 18 months from now, you know, we're fucking covering their first show. Right. So that's the idea with that. But Garrett, let's, uh, let's hop into dark elevation this week. You got that. And then I got dark right after. So absolutely. What do you, what do you got are. for us this week? On episode, oh shit, I think, uh, oh, there's my notes. Episode, I believe it's 61. Yes. Nailed it. Of dark elevation we're having a Open celebration up. for 69 by the way absolutely fucking nice <laughs> anyway um so we opened up dark elevation episode 61 with julia hart uh squashing um i don't i don't really care about this yeah, she was She's, all over uh, tv this week dude i uh wrote in my notes boring go away please one with the split-legged bulldog what a fucking stupid move anyway um can they stop wrestling like fucking cheerleaders by the way anyway um <clears throat> Anthony Agogo got a squash. I liked everything he did in this match. Um, I'm glad he's back on Dark. One with like an actual knockout. And I think Aubrey Hebbard's must listen to our show or something because she just called for the bell. Like, I loved <laughs> it. She's like, oh, yeah, actually, that does make more sense. If he's fucking knocked out, I would want to make sure he's not dead. All right. Match number three. We had Kanosuke Takashita. 
taking on Red Titus. This is actually a really good match. Um, there was some good ra- mat wrestling to start for like a dark match. Um, and he finished it with the jumping knee. I Red Titus. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that guy. Like a honor guy, guy right? We'll take it. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, you know, I like the match he had on Ring of Honor Supercard. I to see where yeah, he goes. There the was a lot of Ring of Honor Supercard him, guys I'll this week. Honest. I wonder if they got some of the people that were going to be on Supercard to just come film some dark matches for them while they were in town or something. Um, I think there's a good possibility because there was quite a few on the dark tapings this week, you know, that were on that. Well, not a, but more than more than one, which is rare. You never see people that were on different shows on the same episode of the dark. It's kind of weird, but I guess it must have just been filming. Anyway, speaking of which. Uh, next, we had Tony Nese taking on Cheeseburger, who got a massive pop from the crowd. Um, gotta love Cheeseburger. Uh, finished it with the running knee. We had Willow Nightingale on Dark Elevation this week. Got a quick squash with the gut wrench power bomb. Like First that. win. Yeah. Like Do you it. think like uh, Willow pick up some wins? I would love anything? for her to be the next AEW women's signing. I would love that. Um, All right, bro. Who gets the AEW graphic first? Julia Hart or Willow Nightingale? Probably Julia Hart, unfortunately. Fuck! Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Zach Clayton was back on Dark, taking on Platinum Max Caster. Uh, Zach Clayton is a joke now, thank God. Um, Come on! Now he can't botch anyone to oblivion and end their careers. Hey, um, and uh, he finished with a mic drop. That's actually a great. I love that somebody uses an elbow drop as a finish in 2022. <laughs> that was my favorite thing this week. On a fucking, I, I like that little match. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, the next match we had uh, Anna J and uh, Chris Statlander. Nice team there, by the way. Uh, taking on Nyla Rose and Emi Sakura. It was fine. Uh, finished by the finished with the night fever by Chris Statlander. Um, it was good to see that. And then the main event of Elevation was a twelve man tag match that lasted about three minutes. I think. Um, no, it was it was longer. Than that, but uh, but uh, Alan Angels picked up a win with the frog splash um yeah it was kind of a boring match honestly uh for a main event but anyway that was dark elevation episode 61 uh did you have any thoughts on any of those matches i just kind of ran through them because I was, yeah i mean takeshta uh, julia hart julia hart was all over tv this week and uh Stu grayson send off there so absolutely i i feel like you could kind of t- so watching the match when we knew his contract was done so i kind of mm-hmm. paid attention to that a little bit but yeah man cool cool for him uh not, not a bad show. Takeshita and Rhett Titus, though. Yeah, way, way better than it had any right to be on an episode of Dark, you know? So I have AEW Dark episode... 141. And this was taped at Universal... Excuse me, Universal Orlando. We got started off with John Silver with negative one. He defeated Ryan Nemeth with Peter Avalon. Garrett, I, I still don't know why I like Ryan Nemeth so much, but watching this match, I just... It got me thinking. I would be totally fucking down for this these two to have a feud. Even if it's just Nemeth on dark. Yeah, I'd be down. Yeah, I'd love it. Up. That'd be the good. Hollywood hunk shit works for me, man. I love a wrestler that plays into a gimmick like that. And, you know, it's just... I do have to ask you something, though. Him and his brother are comedians. <laughs> What's that? Is Peter Avalon signed? <laughs> right? I mean, maybe maybe we'll see what they're doing with they, I mean, he could Peter. be working a by-day basis, but that seems a lot. To, he could be paying him a lot. To have him show up I'd for an episode of Dark. I Avalon probably got scheduled a new deal. Yeah, just maybe it and didn't get no announced. Like, <sighs> I don't know. Maybe he released that he was potentially not going to resign to get a bigger deal. I don't know. But if he did, smart business by him. But it just made me wonder. Like, I'm like, he's because he's been on everything, you know? And yeah. it concerns me because I wonder if maybe he isn't 
but they're just using old footage of him, you know, because maybe that gives them leverage and them not being able to use him other places because he might just show up on dark for a while because they have so much taped of him, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I really hope. I, I doubt. I could. I doubt that's what's going on. But I mean, you know, I could see it in the wrestling business, especially since things are starting to heat up. Uh, yeah. Weird stuff. So we had Varsity Blondes with Julie Hart, and they defeated the Workhorsemen with Anthony Henry and JD Drake. You know, because you know JD Drake has multiple tag teams. Yawn. Um. Yeah, dude. This 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 sucked. Uh, Anthony Henry. Dare I say he's at this point? I I, I don't know how Tony has signed this guy. But hey, GG. Maybe it's because he's got so many contracts. But yeah, dude, this this was bad, and the promo after it was even worse. This this was a rough week for the Varsity Blondes, Garrett. And we'll 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 talk about this a little more on what they did on Dynamite. But holy oh. fuck, man, Pillman is this is not the same guy that was getting that pop in Cincinnati with the MJF feud. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, Sean Spears defeated Lord Crew. I, you know, Sean Spears is actually pretty fun in the crowd here. He he played up the crowd a lot. It was actually kind of fun. I, I really enjoy Sean Spears when he's at dark for some reason. I don't know why no matter where he goes, he doesn't get the spotlight that he should. Like, I, yep, he's he just, always been, ever since FCW, just like a background guy. It's so weird to me, you know, like. That's why I forever, I forever think he'll be grateful for that Royal Rumble spot. When he was really hot that year in NXT. Oh yeah, and they made him come out. They had let him come out at ten because that was going to be the biggest thing, probably. Unfortunately, that he ever does, unless they give him like a TNT title run or something like that. You know what? Actually, Sean Spears should go to Ring of Honor as a heel. I would love that. I would love That'd that. That'd be great. And if then the we Pinnacle ends up breaking the- up after MJ, if MJ ends up losing to Wardlow eventually, like, um, I think. I think it'd be a great way to break up the Pinnacle because you know FTR is already kind of slowly turning face. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe, maybe not maybe not the Spears to Ring of Water part, but that could be what you do with Spears if you want to do something with him, you know? And then we uh we got Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. They defeated Terry Yaki and Jay <laughs> Lucas. My God, Starks is fucking hilarious. I mean, this guy is just he you know, it's why I think he's he works so well with Keith Lee because they're both so fucking funny. Yeah, I think I think the way to put this would be uh, Starks chowed down on some teriyaki. He chowed down on some fucking teriyaki, and Starks got the pin. Garrett, man, I think we might be looking at our new tag team champs. By the way, which that's a good possibility. I mean, we've been talking about for weeks now, maybe even a month. That it's just not working. The last two title runs just have not worked. You know. Maybe this is the team that you put it on to legitimize, re-legitimize those titles a little bit for a new contender like Red Dragon to actually have somebody to face that's going to be able to carry yeah, a feud. Oh, that Jurassic Express versus uh, Red Dragon feud was was the drift. It was not shit. what it could have been, and it sucks because all four wrestlers are capable of putting on great matches with each other. It just didn't work out, you know. Like, and then we got uh, Julia Hart. She defeated J.C. Love. This was her debut match. She was a cute looking girl. She uh she looked pretty happy to be there. So Yawn. good for her. But um yeah, Julie Hart, uh wow. It, it's she needs these dark matches, but my god. Cutie Marshall Cup promo, hyping up the factories match next week against the New Japan Pro Wrestling LA Dojo. Hey bro. Uh, I don't know, we could see some cool people. I'm looking forward to that next week. I assume we'll get that announced. Like, you know, they do like the dark, like yeah. we'll announce like some you dark matches throw, during the day. Be out there, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony Nese defeated Leon Ruffin, uh, the AEW debut for the former Leon Ruffin WWE NXT. He was the former North American champion. He had the uh, storyline with Johnny Gargano, which was a pretty good storyline. And uh, 
you know, at a time when NXT first started going live, it was actually a surprise, which they did not have many of right there. But this was pretty good. I think he sold his ass off for Tony Nese. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you know, perfectly fine dark match. Yeah. Um, maybe that you know, I love when Tony brings in people like this, like he did with Marina Shafir. You know, it doesn't look like Marina Shafir is going to get signed at this point. You know, um, if she is, maybe it'll be further down the road. But at this point, it doesn't look like it. This could be a similar thing with this guy. You know, um, prospective talent. Maybe he gets a title shot. Doesn't necessarily have to be signed to the company. Um, and obviously has history that people are going to know. So, um, oh, yeah. it's good you, stuff. Wherever Johnny goes, they can easily run back their matches. People oh, love their matches. So, uh, Angelico defeated Yuya Uemura, and this was the AEW debut for the New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, Young Lion. And Garrett, yes. there was a funny line during this match that I, I kind of teased to you before we went live that I want to talk to you about. So, Taz was pointing out that Angelico was dancing before when he he saw Angelico dancing, like at a gas station or something. Okay. And he thought to himself, he's like, "Man, this guy's fucking crazy." <laughs> and Taz said he started joining him in dancing. <laughs> and Helico to Team Taz. Knowing what we know, could that be a low key hint that maybe Taz is teasing that he's going to bring this guy on board? Maybe repackage his character up a little bit? Uh, I mean, if Angelico, I mean, would Angelico be able to, like, would the storyline have to be that Andrade just cuts him? Like, <laughs> I think so. Or, or that he just gets a change in attitude. Because we know this. I mean, and Helico Team Taz can, versus he, AFO. Go wrestler, man. He can make this shit work. Yeah, and he would fit in with the oh, group. Wait a minute. So. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. That's great because I'll tell you why that's great. Because if Hobbs and Stark walk away with the titles, now yep. we have Private Party versus them for the tag titles. Oh, yeah. And if you oh. want to talk about really getting a five-man group going, you got Hobbs and uh, Hobbs and Starks. I almost said Hobbs and Shaw. Shout out the Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> uh, uh, that should be their tag team name. No, uh, <laughs> you got those two. You, you'd have Angelico. This is fucking way booking ahead. Hook. And you'd have Hookhausen, bro. You could have the five-man team. And <laughs> they could make that work somehow. But yeah, let's get into Dante Martin. He defeated uh, Invictus Cash. Yeah, I, Garrett, I, I'm not my favorite Dante Martin match. Moving on. No. Tony Storm, uh, she defeated Diamante. Storm was actually really good here. I actually really yeah. like this, uh, the way they used Tony Storm in this match, and it was a perfectly fun match. And yeah. somehow she got a pop out of that crowd that's always dead. So Literally. So here's the here's the thing mm-hmm. I liked about this match. It was not a TV match, but it felt like one. Like it, this, even though it was only like eight or mean. nine minutes. Like, I'm sorry, what? I was saying, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and it just felt like they had, there was good trading of moves, good back and forth. It didn't feel like Diamante was ever out of the match, you know. Um, it just was a good booked match. I think Tony Storm just comes in like a lot of people. He just wants to have some good matches, you know, to show people what she can do. And she did. So let's – what we're going to do now is we're going to finish up uh, our AEW coverage with some Dynamite Rampage, then we'll get some Moon Knight after that. So All right. Let's just pause really quickly. I really need to use the restroom. <laughs> no problem there. All right, now we're back from the evacuation of your liquid bodily excretion, Garrett. Let's jump into AEW Dynamite. And we got started off pretty hot here with the old men. Jeff Hardy versus Bobby yeah. Fish. I believe... Uh, Combined age of 80, 88, I think. Yeah. yeah, I believe back in the 1900s you could catch this match too. And it was very Yeah, good. actually, I did catch it in the 1900s with my time machine. 
I mean, look, this was Jeff Hardy's uh, first singles match. I gotta say, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't. I don't. No, I, I. I. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But it wasn't. You know like what? And I agree with spectacular. that. Spectacular. It wasn't spectacular. It got us off to a good start. But you know I what think- it was? It was what you thought the one was with Punk and uh, uh, Gold. Gold. Uh, uh, Dustin. No, no, no. Dustin. There we go. Uh, yeah. I want to say it, it's like you thought that was going to be, which was not bad, just not spectacular. Oh, yeah. You know? this, this was whatever. This was we, we knew Jeff Hardy was winning. Getting Jeff Hardy in this tournament's a big deal. And now we know it's to get the dream match with Darby Allen because this nostalgia run isn't going to be like an 18 month run. This is this is probably going to be a 12 month run. That's why they're probably run, maybe even less than that, maybe even eight months. That's why they're kind yeah, of it depends running. On, I mean, if he takes some brutal bumps, it might be shorter. Yeah. So. And that's Which why they're already, already taken a couple. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, the match was pretty good. Um, Jeff almost died doing the Avalanche Falcon Arrow. Yeah, um, that, and you know he he fucking he doesn't protect that other wrestler, man. He just fucking lands on your ass now. So the story uh, of this match, of course, was the end. Um, yep. And so after Jeff Hardy wins with the Swanton Bomb. Matt and Nick Jackson come down to the ring and come face to face with the Hardys before checking on Fish. So this kind of alludes to the the point I was I was I was trying to make a little bit here was I think they're going to speed run through these feuds that these dream these quote unquote dream this is not going to be the match they had in ROH. P- people need to temper their expectations a little bit because this is not the same Hardy Boys. Even no. that, it's been a long, long four years for yes. these guys, and so don't expect that match. But just expect, you know, it's the last time between these guys, most likely. Guaranteed, pretty much. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Garrett, uh, between the match and the and the finish there, I guess uh, the post-match finish, yeah, what, yeah. Did, what did you think about this? I'm just really excited for Hardys versus Bucks, man. It's a personal dream match of mine. Agreed. Agreed. Two favorite tag teams that I think I've ever watched going against each other. Like, Now, do you think incredible. they were planning on pushing this out a little bit, but they said, you know what, guys? I, think, know I, think don't, I don't think this was originally going to be a match that looked like – I mean, it looks like it's going to be a double or nothing now, right? So Yeah, I know. think so. So it, I think it might have originally been – what's the next pay-per-view after that? It probably was going to be planned for that. Oh, but probably it will be Forbidden out. Door, but after Forbidden Door, I guess. Yeah, oh, that's um, right. We got Forbidden Door now. But whatever's in July or whatever. Um, yeah, so – uh, But yeah, no, I mean – you know, it's fine. Just do it. If you're going to be, I'd rather them do it. Even if it's not going to be the same um, as we would hope it, it you know, we kind of knew that when Jeff almost died a couple times and like his first tag match, you know, like, yeah. And, and after uh, we talk about the last qualifier on rampage, we'll kind of talk about the brackets a little bit, but we do know now Jeff is going to be facing Darby. So pretty yes. fucking cool. <sighs> they then showed uh, a brief part of that brilliant William Regal pa- uh, video package that they put on YouTube. This is about 30 seconds of a three and a half minute video package that they put up. That's if you guys haven't seen it, it's, it's worth checking out. It's just, it shows off how incredible Regal is and influential to this team. And it's just a training session. It was just, it just makes you wonder why they didn't use Regal in NXT more. Like, I can't believe it. They, they did give us the line about the knife. And I think that's, that just, it's all telling of what this team is. So, which then sets us up to Blackpool Combat Club versus The Butcher, The Blade, and Angelico. And William Regal again comes out with Wheeler Yuta, who is again in new gear. Garrett, I, I'm i going to say it. I think this is my f- fucking favorite thing right now. I officially think The Blackpool Combat Club is the thing I look forward to the most weekly. 
I am, that's I, crazy because the thing I look forward to most right now is actually the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. It's like, so cool. And dude, I just I It's gonna be phenomenal love, when our two favorite things collide. And this this feels like something that was a dream idea when when Danielson and Moxley first showed up together there, like uh when when Danielson met him backstage or whatever for that whatever the hell it was, we're like, no, oh, like, it's just oh, the, next the clapping after the f- the first Moxley match back. Uh, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, this is going to be a multi month storyline that's going to result in some ma- major changes to the face of AEW, and I love it. Like, and they decided to fucking team up, and I just I can't get enough of it, man. And again, here the story is Wheeler Yuta. Now, do you think there was any? They kind of showed Angelico beefing up a little bit there. And then he was the one that got just beaten down at the end and forced to tap. You think there was any hints there, or do you think they would have pulled it right then and there if it was going to be Angelico as the next member? Um, I mean, it, it, the problem with Angelico is it doesn't really fit perfectly the mold of the of the Black Bull Combat Club because um, we haven't seen him be vicious. We just know he's a technician. That's it. He's a very different kind of technician too than like a lot of people. Like Taz pointed out in his dark matches that. Um, nobody really knows how to counter in Helico's holds because they're not the traditional style of a, like an American wrist lock, an American. I do think you whatever. could have a hell of a one-on-one with Danielson. Oh, that would be an incredible match. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see that match before I say because yeah, if he can't maybe, keep up with a guy like Danielson, maybe they want to see it. Fuck it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's what you. Or maybe here's what you could also do: Ring of Honor Pure Championship match in Helico versus Wheeler Yuta. I'm game. I'm game. If he can, if he can do that, he can be in the Blackpool Combat Club. If he can't, so be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I gotta see. Ya. I'll check that. In and Helico just to me has not been polished fully, and I think that's part of his problem. I think being caught up in the stuff with Jack Evans for so long kind of let him. He, he's not a young like guy. A, he is 35. Yeah. So he he still has plenty of years left wrestling if he wants to do this, but he's not he's not some young gun there. Like uh, Mr. 21-year-old Dante Martin. But Excalibur, legend as always, mentioning Yuta getting announced in the best of the Super Juniors. Rest of commentary, couldn't care less, but I appreciated that. How cool would it be if he picks up for someone from that tournament? That's I'm, I'm kind of thinking that's maybe that's what he's going to do, but I, I'm not sure who it would be. You know? We then cut to this fucking insane league. This, is, this had no business being this good. This little promo between the FTW champion Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs are backstage with Tony Schiavone. And Starks and and uh, Jungle Boy just kind of go beat for beat with each other, and it's incredible. Uh, these guys, Ricky Starks is so fucking good at this character. He knows this character in and out. Now I am beyond sick of the uh, Luchasaurus just going. <laughs> but there was a line that was among like uh, fake shades, and uh, I can't remember the exact lines, but there were there were some fucking good snide remarks between Jungle Boy and Ricky Starks, and I was like. This is how you inject this feud right away. And and we that continues on Rampage. And I for fucking one week feud, dude, are you kidding me? But this is kind of setting up that uh tag match at double or nothing. Hey. Well, we could we couldn't be more down. We we Starks is one of our pillars and we fucking love the team. Little unexpected though. I did not expect them to be the tag match for double or nothing. I I mean, hey, they're super over right now, so. Ricky Starks, man. I, I can't get enough of him. Um, um, yeah, yeah, so they uh, pretty much challenges the FTW title for next week. Yeah. 
And yeah, so back from the break, Keith Lee and Swerve are backstage with Savani. Swerve says Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs needs to stop worrying about the AW tag titles because they have unfinished business. Lee says when it's all said and done, Starks and Hobbs will swerve in their glory. If they I hot shot a better this, name than that, but I get it, you know. If they hot shot this belt onto those guys, uh, Starks and Hobbs, to have the title match at the pay per view be between them and and swerving Keith Lee, I'm fucking down. That'd be cool. Um, it would feel, I'm sure Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus would feel a little slighted by that, but hey, you know. Yeah, um, but if, if that's the route, that, maybe triple threat. I mean, they might just do triple threat. They they do like to get a a, a multi man tag match for the pay per view. Um, Especially no, if you're gonna no, have just do a singles party. match. Triple threat tag matches suck uh, because they never book them correctly. They should just have fucking three people on the ring at the same time. It's so stupid. Anyway, um, they they did it the last pay per view. I agree. If they don't do that, yeah, that'll be kind of dumb. But um, Wardlow versus MJF's mystery opponent and Garrett Wardlow's presentation right now is just so fucking good. The Wardlow chance with the security and just. How over this guy is, it's fucking incredible. And so his his mystery opponent. We want Enzo. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for Morrissey with those chants going on. But then MJF introduces William Morrissey as his handpick opponent. And Morrissey looks great. We've been kind of talking about how he's kind of turned his life around for the better. Yeah, dude. I remember seeing him on that. I, I mentioned it earlier, that same show that uh, Deanna Perrazzo kind of turned me around on. Or not that I didn't have it. I just didn't know anything about Deanna Perrazzo. And when her and Mickey James had their match for the uh, Impact Women's Championship, uh, same show. We had Morrissey taking on I forget who, but it was a good match. Um, and I was like, okay, so he's he's figured yeah. it out, you know. Um Supposedly, that got some WWE interest back in him. <laughs> hey, dude, why not? They could bring him back. as Big Cass. People would love it. You know, like we didn't realize how good we had it with guys like Big Cass. If you look now with Omos bro, and people and acting like they were the lowest tier gods of the NXT talent dude. that came up at that time, but actually they were pretty great. When you think about some of the tag teams that stuck around, it didn't really do anything and got between Strowman, you know? Cass. These guys could fucking move and Garrett. Wardlow again. You you said this last week. He kind of worked like a cruiserweight in that match, and he fucking did Wardlow it again. a fucking moonsault. Garrett, is there a ceiling for Wardlow, or is it the fucking sky? Like straight um, up, the ceiling is AEW Impact New Japan uh, IWGP World Champion all at the same time. That's his ceiling. How this guy, man? No, sorry, Some... screw. Fuck the New Japan title, Ring of Honor Champion. Somehow. They've made this story. He's going to become the champion of North America. No. <laughs> and I I get it. And I was one of those guys, man. When they started the story, I'm like, how are they going to go? I told you this months ago. No one wanted to listen to me. Everyone was like, oh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Oh, look at freaking look, – look at what Anthony Agogo is doing on Dark. Fuck all of you. I was right. Hey, man. Anthony Agogo needs some help. But, but no, I, I am surprised with how this feud has gone and the fact that they haven't touched each other yet. The first time That's they lay phenomenal. hands on each other is going to be at fucking double or nothing. And this is another just long storyline that I doubted in the beginning. I didn't like that they had Wardlow come back after one week. I didn't like certain things. I was I doubted it in the beginning, but my fucking God, they're pulling it off. <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much after the match, Wardlow starts beating out a lot of people and says, uh, yeah, I'm done with the shit, dude. Let's get a match. And they're going to have the contract signing in Long Island. And Garrett is MJF going to get booed in Long Island because of Wardlow? No. You don't think so? So Wardlow's he getting booed? last time. That's what I'm saying, though. 
but now it's Wardlow. I don't know, man. It's could you imagine MJF's reaction if his hometown crowd boos him? Oh, it'll be fun. It'd be great. The the him turning heel on his own crowd. I mean, he who knows it better than him, right? So that'd be incredible. But I mean, hey, you never know. Hey. All right, and then we had yeah, yeah, yeah. Backstage with Tony Schiavone's with Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, Jamie Hader, Ruby Storm, and Tony Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Uh, pretty much Brit saying every page in AW history books has her written all over it and calls herself Britt Baker, uh, the history maker. And this is just setting up a tag match. Cool. Get uh, get the ladies in the tournament and the tag match. I'm down. No harm, no hey, foul. I, here. I guess you got to book the women that aren't wrestling on the show sometimes. You know. Yeah, you got. We got to get. We have to get more women featured. We have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm making fun of that, Charlie. They just they don't they don't want to. The Dynamite is only a men's show, literally. Apparently. And it pretty much again was this week. And uh, back from the break, um, Tony introduces Hangman. And so Hangman is going to be going a little bit of a heel route here against CM Punk. I'm surprised, but I like it. I think the main line here was uh, the masturbatory Bret Hart tribute match. (laughs) That was pretty funny. And Bro, said, I loved I loved seeing on Twitter Dax fucking posting. I will I will beat the shit out of Hangman Page. <laughs> and yeah, he, he said some lines about Punk filming a TV show. He says he's going to embarrass Punk. And he even told the guy in the crowd that after the match, he's going to want a refund on his Punk shirt. So Hangman healing it up. I di- I didn't see that coming. Uh, but uh, what do you think? I about mean, if Hangman's going to drop the title, he's just got to probably play the heel, right? Like. I mean, he doesn't have to, but I don't think yeah. they don't think they want a face versus face for their main main championship. But maybe maybe I'm wrong, you know. But see, what I love about what AEW does is they're not afraid to have someone turn heel for one feud. You can still be yeah. a, a guy everyone likes, but be an asshole in this. Was fucking not, was not CM Punk the fucking heel against Eddie Kingston? Exactly. But he just happened to win. Exactly. You know, like so. It's and that was in uh, one promo. They just switched it. They were like, "Oh, actually, because of it, what, our history, we can make this work better." If you're actually the bad guy, and Punk was like, "Oh yeah," and just went with it, you know, like not everyone's an asshole all the time. It just this this adds some verisimilitude to it in a weird way, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. But um, yeah, uh, Jay Lethal sent Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singer backstage and setting up their match uh, against Kanosuke Takeshita. Uh, Fuck. And he's gonna show him what a real professional wrestler is. You can still tell. You can still tell. I read it that way in my head. It's, fucking, it's dude. It's so hard. It's a really difficult to pronounce name. Everybody, just try it yourself a few times. They're probably all gonna nail it. Fuck you. Anyway. Um. <laughs> and then, uh, so Chris Jericho versus Santana. Um, Chris Jericho, the wizard. The wizard. This was uh, this was pretty Bro. solid. I thought Santana laid fucking waste a couple times. Fucking man is a wizard. What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, but this uh, this was this was an ass kicking, right? Yeah, I mean and it was well paced out. There's lots of fun little bits to it, you know. And they um, had to separate him and Eddie Kingston for a little bit. Which, yeah, no, they needed to build it up. Yep. I actually do like what they did do with Eddie later in the week, though. So, oh, so good. Uh, I mean, that's why I, can't I say really, this is the best story AEW is doing right now. I can't because think of really anything is. else that. I mean, this match was just hard hitting, right? So, um, Ange grabbed a bat. Ortiz took it away. Santana plants Jericho in the ring with Lariat, goes for the cover, but Jericho kicks out. Matt distracts the referee. Jericho low blows Santana and drills him with the Judas effect for the one, two, three. Um, I, yeah, uh, I don't mind Santana and Ortiz uh, picking up some L's because 
they were winning so much that you kind of had to put them in the tag team story, let title storyline there. So, <laughs> yeah, you really did, and they didn't. So it's like, oh, it's like shit. if we're gonna if we're gonna balance this shit out and be, keep it realistic with our ratings, we gotta have them eat some L's, especially if they're gonna win at the pay per view, which they fucking should. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got from this match? And oh, uh, we want to talk about the promo after. What was it? Uh, uh, no, nah, I don't really have anything else. Playing? That's pretty much it. Oh yeah, yeah, and. and so yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, Samoa Joe cuts a promo on Jay Lethal, says on Rampage is coming for Lethal. We had to break. We come back. Max Caster and Anthony Bones the acclaim. Austin Colton and Billy Gunn of the Gun Club are there. The gun, the the boys got some presents for him. They open them and it's some fucking scissors, Garrett. <laughs> Bro, I popped when Max Caster started trying to cut people's fingers off. <laughs> And then they were like, Anthony's like, what does this mean? Billy pushes the boys aside, opens up his fingers, and all five of them start scissoring together. And like, he's <laughs> trying to use real scissors. So are they like a faction now, I guess? Like, I don't know. I think they're just going to team up, be some boys for a little bit, maybe. I mean, they've been teaming up off and on for a while, so it makes sense to just have them be like a loose association for a bit, you know? So that and they have... can wrestle some trios while Bowens is still out, right? So Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They can have Max be the third guy. Yeah, actually, that and, makes complete and sense. I gotta tell you, man, if when they're cutting promos, they're low-key dissing the ass boys, and those guys don't realize it, it could be some great comedy. Oh, it'd be fun, man. That's it could be so good. Because Max Caster is just is just naturally funny. Like guy's hilarious. So uh, here we go. Before Dante and, and Phoenix <sighs> settle, you gotta hit a low before you hit some highs, Charlie. We gotta settle. Let's get the music going here. So, <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, the Varsity Blondes are there with uh, Julia Hart. Garrett, they're calling out the House of Black. Raise your hand, ladies and gentlemen, if this story happened eight months ago and you don't give a fuck. Oh, a hundred hands are in the air. Gotcha. Um, what Can I tell you here? what bothered me the most about this? Sure. They set this up. They continued to edit the makeup. Yep. And it never went anywhere. Never went anywhere. Also, Brian tried like hyping up the crowd and no one was into it. He, it's I think they watched the dark match. I think he thought everyone would be fucking into it and no one was. And, you know, he doesn't have it on the mic, dude. I'm sorry. He doesn't. And I thought he needs a manager. I said that a while ago. He, he also needs to get the fuck out of this weird high school gimmick. Um, and I thought that when Malachi ripped off or ripped off the band after she wouldn't use the chair, he actually they actually showed some really good emotion out of Malachi. Malachi, the way he just he acts with his body—that's how you know this guy's a fucking great A actor. The way he just acts with his body, and you can just tell he's like super serious, super into it, and. JR, believe it or not, actually had a good line. He actually said this is disturbing to watch. I believe that was actually, you know, I, I'll, I'll shit on him when he gives bad lines, but I'll give him praise when he gives good ones. And I thought that actually added to it because this was supposed to feel disturbing and kind of make you feel a little uncomfortable. And yeah. then uh, it was kind of a fucking visceral image, like Malachi Black just screaming at Julia Hart. like. And then Death Triangle comes out and nothing happens. So what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, we should have we should have had fucking Julia Hart kick Griff Garrison in the nuts or something. Like, what is the end game for this? At this point, I don't I mean, think it's got to be that. She has to be turning on them. They can't have built this up for nothing. It's like the it's like the Alexa Bliss storyline. You could not just not do something with that. And we already eventually. know where Griff's gonna go. Griff, Griff's gonna go when they do the vlog crew. Griff's gonna go with Sammy. 
And that's where Fuego and fucking Allen will go and or not Allen, uh, Aaron Solo. I guess Allen could go there, but we already Dude, know. If he got if he got all those guys into a faction, I'd actually be down with that. That's, that's five really phenomenal wrestlers. Oh, I, I think like, they're going to do that at some point this year. There's just too much good talent that like each other, especially if you're going to break up the Dark Order, which I keep saying, you know, it's a great way for Alan Angel, great place for Alan Angels to end up, you know, like. And it could be really good, but Death Triangle versus House of Black is the real story because that match is going to fucking. It's going to fuck. It's going to fuck. And so, yeah, Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin. We already talked. And then we knew another promo, which again. My God, I, I saw some people online, they loved this. But to me, this just felt so flat again. I love the talent in this. I'm excited for the match. And that, of course, is Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. I, Thunder Rosa, this, this Garrett, this is why you need someone holding the fucking microphone giving an interview. Because this would have helped this so much. Yeah, I think Rosa does better in those interviews when she's posed questions by the like, interview. Where was Lexi, bro? This chick's really big. I don't mean to say this chick like that, but she's been really good at these fucking interviews. Where yeah. is she? Or Tony? Well, I mean, like, here's. This is going to be a fun feud. It, it, it felt I'm really like excited. It was a little shaky on this, too, didn't it? Like, yeah, she I didn't think... quite know where to go with it either. Like, and Deeb has had plenty of experience cutting promos and stuff. And I like almost that, feel I like they were feeling each other's energy. The energy was off and the crowd energy was off. That being said, that being said, I'm excited for the feud. I think Deeb said some good stuff about her being the shortest AEW reign. I think that that landed. But yeah, the match is going to be good. And this this makes sense with where Serena Deeb's been. And this is what we said last week after she beat Hikaru Shida. We're like, well, realistically, the only next spot for her is Thunder Rosa. And of course, that was the uh, idea. And yeah, so cool. But again, that's back-to-back live promos that I really thought kind of... This didn't quite hit. Yeah, I know. Did like, not hit. But the matches in between those promos, and let's get into our main event, which, by the way, this was the first week we did not have a Dynamite main event in our favorites in the first time in a while. And it's no slight to the main event, of course. It almost was mine, by the way. I will it almost people was. know. It was, yep. it was the toss-up between this and the main event of, uh, of uh, Rampage for me. So, And that, um, one, of course, was Deanna Perrazzo's AEW debut versus Mercedes Martinez. And this was for the Undisputed Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo was the champion, and Mercedes was the interim champion. And yeah, I got to say, I think uh, while the crowd, again, I think the crowd was still a little, uh, A, probably tired from the Dante and Phoenix match, and B, they just had those fucking weird-ass promos back-to-back. Yeah. They were a little out of it, but this match was good. Um, I saw someone point this out, and I can't help but agree. That commercial timing was awful. I do not like 9.53 p.m. fucking commercials. Guys, come on. That's brutal. Like, seriously, that, that leaves us four minutes match left in the match when we get back. Um, we even took bets on this last week. We both kind of figured Mercedes was going to be the winner because of she was signed. Uh, but this is a good route, right? Yeah. Mercedes Martinez is a Ring of Honor World Champion. I'm fucking down, dude. She she is a veteran in this business. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, yeah go ahead. Since you, were, you were really high in this match. I liked it myself. But, uh, yes. Go ahead. You so, can uh, take the floor here. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the opening of this match to me felt really like genuinely like a feeling out process. Like some matches they do that and it doesn't quite land, but this felt like perfect to me. Um, And they got to do just about everything they can do in the short amount of time that they did have. Um, 
And I, I thought it was a great build up to the ending of the match. Um, and I loved the little nod of Perazzo not wanting to uphold the code of honor. But by the end of the match, she had, excuse me, Martinez had earned her respect. Uh, and she decided to shake her hand. That was a great little touch. Also, Bobby Good Cruz stuff. back in the ring announcing. Yep, absolutely. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ian Riccomani on commentary again, but maybe they didn't want to. Um, yeah, maybe maybe they're just going to use that for certain events. Maybe World uh, World Title matches. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, we'll uh, see. But thumbs up, thumbs down, world. I think dynamite for me easily. Thumbs up, you absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into Rampage. Uh, yeah, Rampage had a special start time of five thirty, which actually worked out really well for me because I just literally got home from uh, from work, flipped that shit on, and fucking relaxed. <laughs> uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hader with Rebel versus Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Now, um, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of people I think digging this match for multiple reasons, and I gotta say, man, Jamie fucking Hader, she stood out to me in this match again. Jamie Hader's incredible, dude. Bro, okay. I'm an, I I literally had all the same stuff in my notes. Like I literally okay. I, all I wrote about in my notes was Jamie Hader. Did Jamie Hader hit this shoulder block on Tony Storm at one point in this match that just looked Incredible. absolutely nasty. Like she was wrestling with ferocity. Yeah. You know what? I it's probably not going to happen now that we know the bracket, but Jamie Hader should win this tournament, dude. I got to tell you, man. I'd be fucking down. That'd be a star-making performance, too. What if the if the final could be her and Britt Baker? I mean, you could pull something off. That's what I was getting at. Unfortunately, Back. we know she's facing Tony Storm, so yeah, I don't so feel confident about that. Probably but. not going to happen. But it, it if but not knowing that at the time because of the end of the match when I wrote my notes, that's what I wrote. So I think yeah, that says a and, lot. And I agree. she also hit that uh, that big boot, and the way the camera turned it, she literally came off screen and fucking nailed Soho with it, and that was just so beautiful. Uh, Rebel distracted the referee, but Storm got the uh, Storm rolled Baker up for the one, two, three. So Ruby Soho and Tony Storm pick up the victory here. Cool, you know yeah. it. It works. We've uh, I actually really like this tag match. I'm not even gonna lie. If the wrestling yeah. wasn't so loaded this week, this could, this had a potential to be favorites, but it was just a lot shorter uh, than some of the other stuff. But we head to the commentary table. And you kind of alluded to this already that you liked it. And Excalibur says that Eddie Kingston called in and he wants to talk to Chris Jericho. I'm like, no fucking way. I, I was, I was so in as soon as he said that I'm like, dude, this is, we've seen it now back to back weeks and they do it again. This episode taking advantage of Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks being on commentary, which is still one of my favorite things. I love that. They yeah. do. And he said his wife wouldn't stop crying and crying in his ear. And then after Chris Jericho's attacking him, and now he's hell-bent on making Jericho feel that same fear. Eddie hangs up. Chris Jericho's just sitting there, sh- like, shocked. He's like, what the hell is this, man? What, what are you guys doing to me? You guys setting me up? You could just see it all on his face. You could read it all. And I was going to say, that was the great thing about Punch. They, they slowly punched it on Jericho's face throughout this, which I thought was a great touch. That they just sort of, like kind of made Jericho feel like he was getting like the walls are closing in on him and that's what he's feeling and you can see that in his face yeah dude I mean hey man we we talk about getting some realism added some verisimilitude added Eddie Kingston no one does it better than him in wrestling fucking no one literally we head back to 
Wow. We then head backstage where Tony Nese and Mark Sterling are shown. Nese says he wants to know why he seemingly has the force way into the next uh, being on TV. And Sterling says... I'm kind of wondering that myself. Sterling says they're going to get a match in his hometown against Dan Housen. So I believe, unless this is a swerve on the match, Dan Housen is most likely cleared now. So he'll be making his debut in Long Island, which I'm sure is going to be some fun. And then continuing that storyline, we jump into Hook versus J.D. Drake. There's a couple moments in this match that really stood out to me. A, Hook just throwing this man that's so much bigger than him around. B, J.D. Drake went for a chop and Hook fucking headbutted it. And I've never seen that and I loved it. <laughs> it seems kind of dangerous, but all right. <laughs> it seems dangerous as fuck. But Garrett, I've, I've always... Talk about a crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hook again, right? I mean, it's just Hook at this point. You know going into it, you're going to get a, a nice little showcase of someone who's fucking raw and at the same time is just an incredibly fresh talent. Yeah, I mean, um, the post-match stuff, I'm still just not that yeah, into. So but I'll, I'll get it. I'll get into it. After the match, Dan Housen comes to the ring. Dan Housen says he heard Nice's challenge and he has, to off- he has an offer for Hook. Dan Housen says he wants Hook to be with him against Nice. Dan Housen keeps asking. Hook shoves him down, and after he shoves him down, we see a bag of chips with a bow on it in the ring. Hook picks it up, has this like moment of realization on his face. And <laughs> the long game. I fucking love this shit, dude. I love wrestling. Hook, the long game here is gonna be Hook finally embracing this fucking character, Dan Housen. Do you know what this reminds me of? But like a good version kind of. What's that? Remember that storyline with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose just refused to be tag team partners again for like ever. And then they finally did the fist bump together. Yes. Yeah, and dude. And they teased it for like like a month or two. Like I just I I don't know why I love this stupid little storyline. So this is like a weird David and Goliath storyline teaming up together, but it's 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 a fucking like a horror show character and then a pretty boy fucking MMA badass. <laughs> It's so weird, dude. But I, you know what though, I, I gotta see Danhausen confronting uh, Matt Hardy at some point, though. Like, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen in in full broken mode. By the way, we're and Danhausen's finally gonna be in the ring. So, do you think Hook shows up in his corner this time, or maybe it's something after the match? And they're, they're, do you think he's no gonna idea. embrace him right away or not? I, guess I have no idea, right and I just want Hook out of this, please. See, I don't. I think this is great for Hook. I, I think Hook being in a program that he's going to be super over with is the best thing he can do right now because he, he's still just been a little on standby since that QT Marshall match at the last pay-per-view. So I'm That's just because they have nothing for him. There's just too much talent. Exactly. Like, they and debuted I, him at like the worst time that they could have. They should have debuted him sooner, it seems like. you know. Yep, and now he's with Dan Housen. And hey, man, let's go. Uh... We then see Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler of FDR backstage with Lexi Nair. Cash says Dax will win the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. Dax says he'll be damned if he lets someone like Adam Cole beat him and potentially win the tournament. We'll dive a little more into that in a second after this last qualifier match here. Because we're going to break down some of the tournament matches. Yep. Um, Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. So, yeah, uh, this was my first uh, time watching Sakazaki. At least that I can remember. I don't really remember... Um, her match from Double or Nothing 2019 or the stuff that followed that. I don't really remember it, but I liked it. I yeah. thought she looked good. Rio was in the black gear too. This is a little, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
a little this is like nudge. the most high energy wrestling match I think I've ever seen. Um, and is this a little nudge of Riho maybe turning heel? Ah, I mean, they tried to try to hint at that. Doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, um, maybe. I maybe but yeah, uh, I like the match. Yuka is just uh, like a. She just Yuka is basically just like a, a female, like you know, like Dante type, you know, like which is great. Like I don't really see that all too the often. Top rope and gets hit with the way she does the springboarding and stuff like that was really unique too. It I like what her finisher was set up to be too. That little splash off the rope. That's a pretty sick finishing move. I'm not gonna lie. And like, I'd like to see her get in a match now after this, where she does. She is allowed to get a little more offense, and we can see a little more of that move set. But uh, this match accomplished what it needed to. I'm sure Absolutely. we're gonna see her on dark a lot. Like going forward, probably for the next like month or two, we'll see her get acclimated on dark and then probably brought up to another feud. But oh, bro, that spot where Riho took like the face buster, whatever the fuck it was, off the top. I don't know if that was intended. They sold that was fucking brutal. They sold the shit out of it too. So that being said, let's uh let's let's talk about these tournaments real quick. We'll uh, give a quick flyby of the uh, matches and a little discussion. So let's go women's tournament first, since we just did the last qualifier. And starting us off is the match we've known about the longest, and that's Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. I'm excited for this. I, yeah, yeah, it should be a really good match. Doctor Britt Baker will be facing the Joker. So, Athena, I mean, there's, please. There's a hundred fucking ideas of what this could be. Please, Athena. Yep, whether it's a, a debut like Athena, I'm trying to think of who the return could be. I'm a little worried they're going to try and pull a swerve on us, and it's just going to be Nyla Rose because Nyla wasn't in the tournament. But uh, we'll see, right? I mean, Sakura? I'd be down. I'm down. No matter what they do, I'm I'm game. Oh, no. If you were going to do that, you would have had to have done it with Rio, actually. Never mind. Yeah. That would be an incredible joker for Rio to have to face. And speaking of Rio, Rio was facing Ruby Soho, dude. Count me fucking in. Yeah, dude. Sounds like an awesome match. And then our bottom match here, Red Velvet versus Hikaru Shida. That is the perfect pairing for Red Velvet. I love it. I actually think Shida's probably going to win, though, unfortunately, for Red Velvet. But um, Yeah. Just looking at this tournament, not knowing the Joker, my gut still tells me the final is going to be Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida. I think it that makes sense to get them on double or nothing. But that's just kind of looking at the outline we have. Do you have anything that comes to your mind or just haven't really thought about it? Um, What, for finals? You could um, also make the case for Tony Storm versus Sheeta, Tony Storm versus Soho. You could do a lot. Yeah, I think of Tony Storm here. versus Soho would be great, though I don't okay. know if I want. I, if Tony Storm, or sorry, excuse me, if Ruby Soho is going to be in the finals, I want her to win. Like, I, she's been so shorted on everything so far. She needs something, you know, like. Yeah, and we both would love Jamie Hayter, but unfortunately, I, I think... If Tony loses, it's going to be to Britt Baker. I would love for it to be Ruby Soho versus Tony Sto- or Tony Storm versus uh, Jamie Hader because then you don't know who's going to win. You know, I'd be fucking down. So let's get into the men's. Uh, at the top of the bracket, we had Samoa Joe versus the Joker. Uh, I've heard a lot of pitches about this. Whether maybe it's a, a returning Miro, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a debuting Johnny Gargano, and some people also thought maybe Candice could be debuting for the women's. I got another debut for you, bro. What if this is Cesaro? Cesaro or Samoa Joe? I still don't know how I feel about if you do a debut, having Samoa Joe lose. But, I mean, I... Well, I can't have the person debuting We'll be losing to Phoenix. I I do... Then again, oh my God. 
Maybe not though, because do they want to do Death Triangle versus House of Black at the pay- see? This is where it starts getting crazy, dude. This is why when you have like active storylines, it's kind of hard to include some of those people because then it becomes really obvious. And this is a criticism I've seen of AEW is that sometimes the matches are a little too predictable. And some people will make the argument, well, that's because they do the right results. Yeah, but sometimes the not right yeah, result this, this is better can, because of what you can do with it. Sometimes there is nowhere to go if you do the right thing. And you just like that. And we might see if they're if we know they're going to be in the final, they might do the blow off match before Double or Nothing on Rampage or Dynamite. It's true. We've always seen that too. So that brings I really up, hope it doesn't end like that. That would really disappoint me. Samoa Joe versus the Joker, and then we had Ray Phoenix versus Kyle O'Reilly. I would be fucking shocked if O'Reilly won. You? Um, yeah, when when O'Reilly, when O'Reilly was one of the first to get in, I was thinking oh, it's a good chance he could run through this because he's a really, really solid wrestler, and that's kind of the vibe of this tournament. But um, maybe I mean, now that we know, I mean, I, I don't know. That's the great thing about the men's tournament, is that pretty much anybody could win at any time because it's not like for a championship shot, you know? So it doesn't, it's all about bragging rights at the end of the day, you know? Like, and that brings us to the next match, which is we were kind of discussing before the show a little bit. We, we both were on some different wavelengths here and that was Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood. Now yeah, we have completely opposite thoughts on this. So for me, especially after Dax's promo on, was it rampage? Yep. Um, that's the storyline they're telling is in the Owen Hart tournament, you have a guy who has openly talked about how he's got dislike for Shawn Michaels because of some of the things that has happened between them and how he's a big fan of Bret Hart and Bret Hart's a big fan of him. Um, and a guy who has basically the same relationship with Shawn on the other side. And even to this day, after all the stuff Dax has said, you will still hear Adam Cole defending Shawn Michaels uh, and basically putting him over Bret Hart in his head. Um and I can't think of a more controversial story in history of wrestling that you could play into a tournament about Owen. Um, it almost makes me wish they had kind of saved it for the finals because that would be I, I an incredible story. would have been a great story. final. And, and I'm of the... But Tony Khan can't fucking help himself, so here we are. Well, I think they clearly have a plan for the finals. And it's just, hey, they're like, all right, we want to get this match out. Which is the same reason I think they were like, you know what? We need to get Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. We'll talk about that in a second. Now, I think since we don't know what Adam Cole is doing at Double or Nothing, I think Adam Cole will be in the final. But who he's facing, I mean, is it going to be Adam Cole Samoa Joe? Is it going to be Adam Cole Miro? Adam Cole Cesaro? Like, who the fuck's this going to be? But then you brought up the great point of Dax, and I'm like, you know what? Dax would be the emotional story. Dax is going to be the emotional babyface favorite here. But then we run into his next opponent. I, Darby Allen and Adam Cole and Dax Harwood all being on the same side of the brackets. Fucking brutal, by the way. But yeah, I love it. I fucking love it, though. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Darby Allen, Jeff Hardy. This is the dream match. I think they're going to get they want to get this out of the way. This is the the match when we talked about Jeff Hardy coming. It was against Darby Allen. I uh-huh. think Jeff's going to put him over here. He has to. Because Dar- Darby's going to either go to the finals of this tournament or maybe lose to Adam Cole or Dax. I mean, it's it's a tough break here. Like, what is What would the Undisputed Elite be doing on the show? I can't even think right now. I mean, if if like we said, they hot shot the titles off of 
um, Jurassic Express. Maybe that's what Undisputed Elite are doing at the pay-per-view title match, you know? I don't know. Yeah. So I there's many different ways we could go here. Something's telling me my gut that Adam Cole and, and is in the finals. God, it just looks so bad on the wrestling yeah, I don't industry, think so, though, though, man. I think Adam Cole is the... He was just going for the world title. They they need him on the pay-per-view. And only because he doesn't have a clear match right now. Whereas with FTR, we know that they can still run back the Red Dragon thing. Or, you know, what their plan is with that. Because they were in a feud with them. Or the Young Bucks. I, I have no idea. So I, I don't know. And I, I love that I don't know. And I can't wait to see the results. Because my God, that is what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, what do we got? Matches. Like two weeks? No, three weeks until... Double or nothing. Three, like, there's three dynamites left, so, so they gotta they gotta get moving on some stuff. Eight dynamites and eight ran, or three dynamites, three rampages, and we have twelve matches in this tournament to go before the final. Oh, excuse me, before the finals. And we are not done yet with rampage. Um, that was when we got the brackets. So. Back at the ringside area, TNT champion Scorpio Sky is in the ring alongside Ethan Page and Dan Lambert. My God, does Scorpio look fucking cool. That was the first thing I Hell thought, yeah. dude. This guy looked fucking cool. Bro. And I love you, Ethan Page. Like I said earlier, chill with the shit. But fucking Scorpio Sky sounded like a fa- like a genuinely great baby face in this. He like, did, man. He Dude, fuck- he popped me when he told fucking Dan Lambert to get the fuck out of here with that second title. That needed to be done. That I Thank really you, Tony Khan, for listening, for fuck's sake. Oh, he, my God. He, he gave him the line of, that's going to be back at the uh, American Top Team compound where it belongs, right? Yeah, it's a trophy. And you make exactly. the gimmick that that's just now. And if you need now, now, if you need an interim title again, you don't have a fucking one running around already. Yep. So, yeah, this is cool, man. Uh, there were some lines about Ty Conti. You I'm know, excited for Frankie versus Scorpio, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. SCU's We've been dead. saying for a while that... Dude, what did I say to you a couple months ago? Frankie should get a TNT title shot. Look where we are. Beautiful stuff. Absolutely. And also, that stat we read, uh, Frankie has not had a, uh, a one, a singles match victory on AEW television. So That's crazy. And it's probably going to uh, stay that way, unfortunately. But, you know... No, we need um, to make that happen before a fucking uh, double or nothing. At least once. It can be oh, a yeah, no, I'm saying, but I don't think it's happening next week. Yeah, no, we, we need to get that uh, updated. Part of me's thinking he might go one-on-one with Ethan Page, and I'd be down with That'd it. That'd be cool. I'd like that. Maybe Ethan Page is like, no, fuck you. You didn't even deserve that title shot, and then they fight. That'd be cool. Yeah, and then we get another just – we we jump to the break. We get back, and Jungle Boy makes his way out to the commentary table from the back, and he's just talking shit to Ricky Starks, and then he takes Starks' FGW championship – they start fucking throwing hands, and I love the line of Taz like, "Hey boy, you better you better watch yourself around my title." And I, Garrett, I they've literally made a one week feud between Jungle Boy and Starks, and I'm so fucking excited for it next week. That's because when a couple of stars actually feud with each other and know what they're doing, it's fun. It's one it of our pillars versus one of their pillars. This is us yes. versus them. <laughs> and we we need our guy to win the AEW Federation. So yeah, Garrett, that'll be it for uh, Rampage because we've already talked about the main event and what happens after. But yeah, man, um, four matches, lots of storylines on this fucking hour show. This was a fucking jam packed show for an hour long, and that's what I love about Rampage. So 
clear thumbs up for me. That main event fucking kicked ass. Uh, yeah. Agreed. I, I liked every match on this show. Um, so thumbs up for me. Hell yeah. So now, um, this is where we normally would sign out, but we're going to jump into a little uh, bonus coverage here. And uh, full disclosure, if you have not seen Moon Knight or you just don't care, or maybe you're like, yeah, let's see what the fuck these idiots got to say. We're going to dive into some uh, Moon Knight discussion here. There's a fucking talking hippo. A talking hippo. <laughs> so yeah, Garrett, just, we really haven't really, we, this is like straight up. We haven't really even talked about this yet. What not were your not. overall thoughts of the show from just kind of, now that we've seen the full story, just overall giant big thoughts of this show? I really enjoyed how it was told in an unreliable manner throughout the entire story in such a way that when they first show up in the asylum, you don't really know what's real, you know? Um, which is why I like that they dedicated a whole episode to that. I'm sure that was brutal. Uh, week to week but <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> but hey that's what made the show so entertaining um that was i think my favorite thing the unreliable narrator thing that we haven't really seen even with a character like loki who we know is an unreliable narrator for the most part we haven't really seen that at least we haven't confirmed seeing that yet and we really got to see that there in this show um oscar isaac just absolutely oh my god beautiful performance in this show like this if there's gonna be so it sounds like moon knight is a limited series too so i do believe oscar isaac has got to be in that conversation for limited series best actor next year right i hope so i I can't see how i mean this is elizabeth olsen was for wandavision and i I, god as great as that was dude this was just fucking this was incredible and and i'm um yeah yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, no, it's like there's still um there's just so much um <clears throat> excuse me. Uh that there was there's so much to talk about with this show. Like there's so many it's like a a, a M Night Shyamalan twist central type show. Like so much crazy stuff happens in this show. I still think it has the same issue that I've had with some of the other shows, which is it needed more episodes, you know? Um, Absolutely did. But that isn't really that I did this show of all the shows, I think hurt from that the least um, because they actually chose a story to tell. I think that they could accomplish in the amount of episodes that they had. And it was, it was a very, really it was story. a very self-contained story too. Yes. Um, that being said, you just led me straight to one of my other points. I'm still not sure how, because of how self-contained it was, which was great. It made the show more coherent, um, maybe easier to follow. I'm not really sure how they are going to bring, Moon Knight into the MCU fully now yeah. because it it does seem a little bit like because of how slow they're building up the character and we still haven't really fully peeled back the layers of this onion as we found out in the post credit scene you know um, there's more going on there um, I just don't know how that's going to come into the I'm sure they have a plan Kevin Feige is known for this but I you know I, I just don't know how that's going to come in going forward, which I don't really think is a criticism. I think I'm just sort no, of yeah, not it's just genuine it. like uncertainty. Like we don't know. And, and I got to say just, just uh, bouncing back a little bit here. So for me, I really enjoyed this show at the beginning. And I thought the first three episodes, this, I was like, holy shit, this is kind of unlike anything that we've really dove, dove into. I'm so interested in this character. I'm so confused 
But at the same time, I'm enjoying the confusion. I'm enjoying the mystery, right? And then we jump into episode four, and that was where we kind of got our Indiana Jones adventure. And I'm like, this shit's fucking awesome. Like, you compare this to the show we just had on Disney Plus five months before it in Hawkeye, and you're like, how the fuck is this the same? You know, like, how are these the same shows, right? And just – and then they pulled the Asylum thing. And at first, I kind of alluded to this. I was like, really? Are they going to try and act like this is all a dream? I know now, yes, this is out of a comic run from 2016, and that was almost panel for panel exact out of that cop. That little part there was out of the comic run. And we did get closure on what the asylum was. The asylum was his own head, right? That was his own head being trapped within, what was it, the the, the underworlds of the afterlife of Egypt? Yes. And then we see him break from that asylum at the end there. But is he really broken, right? So, yeah. No, I'm, it, I'm it, definitely uh, not. It leaves you – and I got to say, I – for me, the show, I like the show, but I don't know, man. I just, that finale, it definitely, certain things were a little rushed, even though I liked them, right? Like that Layla thing came about pretty fucking fast. And I just got to say, the costume's great. That The talking hippo is great. And her talking through the dead bodies was fantastic. I got to say, I really love the Layla character. Bro, is that a little tease tee up for fucking Doctor Strange, by the way? I feel like it totally was. With what? Because I feel like he's going to do that at some point. Like, he, it, I mean, hey, it absolutely, and it could be, and uh, I got to say. Sorry, that was a plot leak thing for anyone that didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, it's, it's, as the days, if we would have, if we would have recorded this on, on Wednesday, right after I got out of watching this, I would have been like, you know, I probably would have bur- buried episode five a little bit more. I really did not like episode five. That first, when we, when it first happened, I was like, man, we just waste. If this was a fucking eight episode season, that would have been better. But we really just spent an entire episode of our six episode season going into the finale on this, a rehash version. And it felt like they almost took some plot points exactly from WandaVision with the doors, with going through the traumatic past. But it all kind of gave us the hints on why Mark's the way he is, the birth of Steven. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, so that's – I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Okay. I thought that was great. It wasn't – you know, for people that, that you know did a little bit of research into um, the character of Moon Knight, you already knew Mark Spector was actually Moon Knight. Yeah. But you didn't know that know that when they first framed it in the show because it could change the backstory. Okay, so we meet bit, Steven you know? first and we, we fall in love with Steven. Steven's so yeah. likable. Absolutely. And you meet Mark and Mark is just gritty, unlikable guy. He's got a dark past. He's done things that he regrets. He won't even tell you about it because he's so concerned about how you'll look at him. Um, and it's great. It's a phenomenal twist uh, to have Mark Spector be revealed as the true identity and not even be a shock to him, you know? Um, and it was, it, it was a nice touch to it, but I, yeah, I'm with you. I think so talking about, so I, I will address what you said about, yeah, go ahead. um, about maybe stealing some plot point. I don't know. That's what I would describe it as. That's just the way I think that's phase four. Charlie, I think phase four of the MCU is characters with dark pasts who don't have morally good outlooks when they first meet them. But the truth of these characters is going to be how they stand out as the true heroes 
while no one else is willing to stand up. Because right now, the heroes of the MCU are starting to look a lot more like the Thunderbolts than the Thunderbolts. Um, yeah. And, and to kind of and, and, what I was thinking, yeah, it, the main thing I was pulling from that was instead of Agatha walking Wanda through, it was kind of Steven going through Mark's past. And, and it was mainly the doorways, I mean, like literally opening doors or chasing figures to another room. It wasn't beat for beat, but they definitely took some inspiration. But maybe that's that supposed to be consistency then. And I that, mean, and like, again, I feel like that worked a lot better in the sense of they had that was the eighth episode. They had fucking eight episodes to work with. This one, we literally jumped from that right in the finale. I just felt like, holy shit, that's so fast. I mean, if you think about it with WandaVision, we only had like one episode and that episode was a like basically a battle episode, you know, like so all out fucking I mean, war. Yeah. Yeah. So because of the way that was framed. But I mean, like, you know, it's I I just think because of the way they they for me, because I think I do remember everyone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe I've read about um, the disassociative identity disorder sort of thing. And one of the things that can cause that is exactly what happened to Mark Spector um, being abused by his parent, the traumatic death of his brother, um, as well as all of the awful things that he's done as Mark Spector. They killing so lots of people. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think creates that situation. And um, how horrifying did it feel in that first episode when if you when you're Steven and you're waking up and you have no idea what the fuck's going on? You're 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 phasing in and out and you're like, the the there was a horror element to that. And it that made it feel pretty realistic of like, oh my god, is that what is that what happens if you have this? Is this what you go through? And it, yeah, I thought they portrayed must, that so well. This show, something get, that I'm not entirely sure sat perfectly with me though is there being a third personality that's a complete psycho because I don't know yeah. how that gels with the real reality of the disease or the disorder, or whatever it's pr- properly referred to as. Um, it's not a disease; the disorder, I think, is actually like that sort of thing i i don't know maybe that's the case i don't actually know i don't i'm not a criminal psychologist obviously i took like one semester on psychology in college and i don't remember shit but like yeah um and but but it's still a good twist so i'll take that for what it is and you that know kind of alludes to a to an overall greater point and let's let's kind of talk about that jake lockley was teased multiple times episode four they, they literally pretty much gave it away like yay there is a jake lockley episode five because remember, they woke up and they fucking, they just killed someone. And Mark was like, Steven, the hell did you, you know? And then episode five with the third tomb, right? So we're like, okay, we clearly know he's there. I saved it for an, at the end credit scene? What, like? Uh, I mean, they didn't really have a way to incorporate. I mean, they, they, he was present the whole time. He they couldn't put him in the finale. They couldn't put him in the finale. I almost think he was also the one that killed everyone in the square. Remember when they first meet the... Um, when they first meet Harrow, yeah, I think that was true. Lockley. Because at the same time, we hear the idiots back. We don't know if because now that we know Conchu is just this manipulative asshole, we don't know if he was. He might have been talking to Jake there. I love the touch of uh, Jake speaking Spanish. Talk about taking advantage of the car- the actor you cast here, because you know I-, I believe in the comics, uh, Moon Knight is more Jewish, and he's even Jewish in this. But he's also Spanish in this, and he they, and Oscar Isaac is that Guatemalan. Fucking taking advantage of your actor, man. Let him speak Spanish. What a Absolutely. great fucking touch. I love the idea of Jake Lockley. I totally do. 
Yeah. And I, and I, I just don't know if, man, like really that was the, now that was better than the fucking, the play is the end credit scene. I'll give you that. True. Uh, <laughs> but man, I just, I was like, really? I just, I don't know. I've, I've sat in it for a couple of days though. And I'm glad this, we do this, you know, we, we give it a little bit to breathe and yeah, I mean, overall I'm going to give it a thumbs up. It's not Agreed. my favorite series still. It might not even be my second favorite, but I, I do like it and it's different, right? We got Miss Marvel up next, which is going to be fucking even more different. How are we going to go from Moon Knight to Miss Marvel? Dude, I'm so excited for that out of the way after playing the Avengers game and getting the backstory on Kamala Khan. Dude, I'm so excited for that. And that actress seems so likable already. You know what I think, in, and not to, I'm not going to talk Doctor Strange or anything, but I, I do think you're going to like the actress that plays America Chavez. I really, I cannot believe how likable that uh, she came off as. So, so yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. If you guys stuck around for this, we really appreciate it. Um, instead of last minute wrestling ads, Garrett, any last minute Moon Knight ads you want to get in here, or yeah, just what last little things you want to touch on before we close out here? Um, I I still just don't know how they're going to incorporate the character, but I mean, I'm really excited to see how that goes. I think I think the reason why I think it needs a season two so badly is we need to resolve this Jake Lockley stuff. You know, otherwise he's going to be kind of a dangerous person to have being a hero. You know, like yep. Yeah, and uh, Layla. Did you like that Conchu was still controlling them at the end? I don't know how I felt about that. It felt a little weird. I at first I probably didn't, but the more I thought about it, the more because Conchu's an asshole, right? And yeah, I, that's I've established. Grown, I've grown to like really understand. The only it. good thing that Conchu ever actually does is make the sacrifice so that they can get the information that they need. You know, and he is just straight up taking advantage of of uh, Oscar Isaac or. Uh, Mark and taking advantage of his third identity. I thought it was a nice little twist though. Cause I was like, man, is he going to bring back Harrow? But now we know Harrow's dead. By the way, can we give a fucking Ethan Hawk Harrow, man, uh, Ethan Hawk. What a great fucking, vi- that's the best villain we've had. Dude, he, There were so many scenes. Actually, we should hit on this before we end. There were so many scenes he was in that. I just, it felt uncomfortable to watch him just be that great. Oh. That claustrophobic feel, right? Yes. Great fucking job by Harrow. Yeah, he was great. He immediately becomes, to me, the best uh, villain that we've had in the uh, TV series. Agreed. Agreed. I think, yeah. So, it was really good. It was good. Um, I believe another installment in Phase 4, and I'm ready for a change of pace. And I believe after Doctor Strange, now we're jumping into Thor and Miss Marvel. I believe we're going to get a change of pace now. I mean, it certainly looks like we are with Thor. Looks like it's going to be incredible. Like, oh yeah. So, Taika's like, you know, all right, I took a couple we'll years off. Gloves we'll are off, kids. So you know, uh, the director, you know, writer, whatever you want, he has confirmed that the Eternals were going to be in this finale, or not necessarily in the finale. They were going to be in a flashback of Egypt, and they decided to pull it. And I got to say, as I'm a ma- massive fan of the Eternals movie and the characters, I just to me, that's my shit. Just like Dante Martin's my shit and Ray Phoenix. Yeah. The Eternals. Yeah. That's my shit. I'm glad that would have made sense. I don't know why they could have made done sense. That. Totally. But I, you know what? Keep it completely separate. This is the first one that truly felt completely separate. And one thing I will say, this kind of does tee up a little bit for me. What's Are that? we going to get the sky fathers? Hey, I'm unfamiliar with that, but uh, real quick, you want to basically it's the idea in the MCU that all of the gods 
um, including Yahweh, God, whatever you want to call it, all the different religion gods, they all exist. Ooh, okay. um, and they are sort of like on the same level as Odin. Um, and Odin's like kind of sort of the de facto leader of them. Um, well, not really. They, they're all kind of equals, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. Um, and I think Thor eventually becomes one of them. I mean, it's like, you know, the idea that there can be more gods in the MCU, which has already been sort of touched on anyway. Um, DC just kind of throws them out there, but Marvel actually doesn't really it. like to do it that much. You know, fuck Thor's it. really been the only list. proper god that we've really <laughs> gotten to see. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm down with that, but yeah, I think that'll be it for us. So overall, I I, I like doing this at the end. I, this was kind of I was looking forward to this. And it kind of adds some length to some of these shows. I believe this is going to be about a two-hour show now, which is cool. So I'll be sure to clarify that for you guys. And if you did stick around and you're like, hey, you know what? I actually did enjoy that. Just let us know. Um, You got the Twitters. We'd really appreciate that. They're also in the bio here. So, yeah, guys, uh, we will be back next week talking about Dax versus fucking Adam Cole, baby. So we'll catch you on the flip side there, Vision. Peace. General Kenobi. Bye, God. Hello there.